the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, January the 5th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today, on January 5th, 1957, President Dwight Eisenhower proposed assistance to countries to help them resist communist aggression. That became known as the Eisenhower Doctrine. Today, in 1896, an Austrian newspaper reported that there was a discovery by a German physicist. His name was Wilhelm uh, Rentgen. I think I think it was a type of he had he had um, discovered a type of radiation that became no, uh, known as X-rays. And of course, X-rays has had all kinds of applications since that day. Today, in 1896. Today, in 1914, Henry Ford announced he was going to pay workers $5 an hour for an eight-hour day, as opposed to the $2.34 for a, a, per hour for a nine-hour day. Employees continued to work the six days a week. The five-day week was instituted in 1926. But I understand there's kind of differences on it. It was a big deal. I guess the the five dollars an hour went into effect pretty quickly after he made that announcement. The uh, shorter five-day work week was instituted several years later. Today, in 1933, construction began on the Golden Gate Bridge. I think it was completed about four years from now, from the day it started. Today, in 1949, in his State of the Union address, President Hen- uh, Harry S. Truman, he labeled his administration the Fair Deal. Today, in 1972, President Richard Nixon announced that he had ordered development of the space shuttle. And 10 years ago today, speaking at the Pentagon, a place President Barack Obama didn't really like to visit all that much. He was not pro-military, I can tell you. At the Pentagon today, 10 years ago today, he announced that he would be reshaping and shrinking our military. He vowed to preserve the U.S. preeminence, even as the Army and Marine Corps shed troops, and I might add, shed morale, and the administration considered reducing its arsenal of nuclear weapons. That sort of sums up what Barack Obama was all about, or at least a good part of Barack Obama was all about. Reduce the country, undermine it, kill the morale of the military, and take away their ability to function at the highest level. He left a legacy. He was always pretty much obsessed with his own legacy. He still is. But uh, there is a legacy that... uh, he failed to see or perhaps knew exactly what he was doing. I don't know. In Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, there's an interesting verse there. I want to share it with you. And behold, this day I am going the way of all earth, approaching the end of his life. 
And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Sometimes a person has to live out a good part of their life before they come to the conclusion or the realization that God does not fail. God has never failed. We used to sing that little song, never failed me yet, never failed me yet, so on. God never fails. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. If you've been a little discouraged, a little down, there's a lot of reasons to be in our world today, for sure. We talk about some of those things, but we, I do my best to talk about some of the dirtiest negative things that are going on in our culture from a biblical point of view and, and from an encouragement point of view in the sense that we, we can't be isolated from the world around us and be the people of God that God has called us to be. Influencers salt, and light. But we've got to keep in mind that there is a, a, a greater narrative than what's happening in our world. As important as Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all of these guys are, I mean, they're little kings and queens in their world, but as important as they are, they are subject ultimately to Almighty God. They cannot do what he will not allow to be done. They cannot be what he will not allow them to be. We must keep in mind that God is in control. And that's not only of our country and our culture and all of that, the universe. But we serve a God who knows us intimately. He knows the number of hair on our head. For some of us, that's not very hard to count, unfortunately. For others, maybe it takes a little longer to count. But God knows in intimate ways, he knows you and me, and he cares for us. And when we get down or discouraged, God will lift us up. As we read the word of the Lord, Joshua 23, you know, he said, you know, God has never failed to keep one promise you know that. He would later say, some of you want to go off and serve other gods, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's why he was so determined that he was going to serve the Lord, regardless of what others did, because, because he knew that his God, Almighty God, Creator God, has never failed. And you know what? He's not going to fail you now in your circumstances or in our collective circumstances in America. The New York Times wrote a, the editorial board. It wasn't just some writer, but it was the editorial board of the New York Times. The New York Times, as you know, has been saying, or you may know, they have been saying with their little logo, their little slogan at the top of every Every edition of the New York Times, since 1986, they have promised their readers, quote, all the news that's fit to print, 
However, in recent years, in fact, the last few decades, they have become the oracle of the far left. They're not really a newspaper. They're more of an advocacy piece. The Oracle's editorial board began with this. I'm quoting. One year after the smoke and broken glass, the mock gallows, and the very real bloodshed of that awful day, it's tempting to look back and imagine that we can, in fact, simply look back. The editorial board, the heart and the soul of that newspaper and read around the world, has declared that January 6th is not a day in the past. It's not tomorrow. It is every day. Every day. They have a reason for this because that's putting out and advancing an agenda. Saul Alinsky would be proud of the New York Times and all of the advocates for progressivism and all the rest of that nonsense. Tomorrow, Nancy Pelosi's House of Representatives will seize the opportunity to forgive and forever demonize Donald Trump and every person who voted for him. That's what tomorrow is about in the government of the most powerful nation on the planet. I think we need to be informed or we will be misled because what they are going to be playing with has a thread of truth. And I want to try to get to that today in a way that we can understand and give some thought to it because we will be, it will be like trying to take a drink of water out of the end of a fire hose. I mean, it will be overwhelming tomorrow. The media, all of the troops of the far left are all in line, uniformed up, gun on their shoulder, ready to march. The Times editorial board is calling for, they're demanding that America never forget January 6, 2021. They're describing it as the deadly riot at the seat of American government. That's the New York Times. You say, well, who cares about the New York Times? I can tell you, the New York Times is read around the world by millions and millions of people. That's how they stay in business. Yes, a lot of people have shed the New York Times, but a lot of people haven't. Even people that don't agree with them read it. I read it from time to time so I can talk about it as I am right now. They note that while ordinary citizens have put it behind them because we're desperate for some peace and quiet, I would say they're wrong there as well because we're not desperate for peace and quiet. We're desperate for them to move on and get over it and let's address some of the real issues in our nation. But we are desperate for some peace and quiet as well. And because we are desperate for peace and quiet, the New York Times is telling us and the world we must never forget. It's like the revolution of 1776 in reverse. Every day must be January 6, 2021. It's like Groundhog Day. And they do so in the name of ushering in normalcy. Their words are very carefully crafted. The editorial board says, quote, On the surface, we have achieved that. Our political life seems more or less normal these days. No, it doesn't. That's a lie. But they embed it into the mind of a person who reads that and says, Well, yeah, I guess it is kind of normal. No, it isn't normal. It's crazy. It's convoluted. It's bizarre. It's perverse. 
Our political life does not seem normal these days. We have a president who can't hardly walk. He shuffles, and he can't hold the thought. And he has people standing off camera prompting him so he can even speak. The president of the United States. So the editorial board says, on the surface, we have achieved that. Our political life seems more or less normal these days as the president pardons turkeys and Congress quarrels over spending bills. But, they say, peel back a layer and things are far from normal. January 6th is not in the past. It is every day. Why is it that January 6th is every day? Well, because regular citizens threatened election officials and other public servants who ask, when can we use the guns? <laughs> who vow to murder politicians who vote for their conscience, the Times says. That's how they characterize people who oppose the power structure in Washington, D.C. I'm not for a moment condoning what happened on January 6th last year. It should not have happened. I understand that President Trump, former President Trump announced, he was, he had announced he was going to hold a press conference tomorrow. When I read that, I thought, man, I wish he wouldn't do that. And he announced this morning, I guess, or late last night, that he's not going to do a press conference tomorrow. I hope he stays with that. That's I don't think that's a good idea. But anyway, the Times notes that Republican lawmakers are scrambling these are their words, to make it harder for people to vote and easier to subvert their will if they do. It is, they say, I'm quoting the Times, it is Donald Trump who continues to stoke the conflict with his rampant lies and limitless resentments and whose twisted version of reality still dominates one of the nation's two major political parties. This indictment that's put out there for the world to read it concludes, quote, in short, the republic faces an existential threat from a movement that is openly contemptuous of democracy, and it's shown that is it is willing to use violence to achieve its ends. This is the left's case. This is the indictment against everybody that isn't them. That's what they say about us. As they run, carrying Biden on their back, towards socialism and some kind of so-called progressivism that is regressive and destructive in the end. The loss of most personal freedoms, they're declaring that we're normal, at least in appearance. Nobody in America that's a conservative, a Christian, a libertarian, I don't think anybody in those categories think it's normal. It isn't normal. It's bizarre. While the world is preparing, while China is working up their position in the world and expanding all over the place, we're arguing over pronouns about little boys and girls who have been sort of set up by public education and others to question whether they're a boy or a girl. They take a shower and look at themselves and go, man, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. Well, they need to know they're a boy or a girl, whatever they are, biologically. That's how screwed up we are in this nation today, and it's because of the people we've put in office. That's what's going on. We are standing in abject contradiction to the very founding principles of this nation and the basic fundamental principles of God's Word that will never pass away. 
the storming of the Capitol building on January 6th, regardless of if or how it was planned, regardless of the motivation of those involved, put on display disregard for the principles of law and the protection of property that are more fundamental than the democratic and the political processes that are advancing this. Unfortunately, what produced this disregard for fundamental institution of protecting property for respect and regard for what is not yours has become widespread. What we learned on January 6th is that the misguided thinking is nationwide in all political streams, not limited to the left. The incident on January 6th was just the latest in many incidents, but you would think this is the first time this has happened. I'm not defending it. I don't agree with it. I don't. They should not have done that. We should have the freedom to protest. Obviously, there were people who went beyond protest in that event, clearly. And I know some Republicans are trying to make the case that, well, it was just, you know, it, it was, there were some of the things that were done there were wrong. But the Democrats, the left, are trying to make the case that this is like the first time this has ever happened. This thinking has become the norm under the current leadership in America. In July of 2020, a mob toppled the statue of Christopher Columbus in Baltimore and threw it into Baltimore's Inner Harbor. Remember that? They threw Chris into the bay there, in the water, and the press rushed out there to get pictures of it and show it. Yeah, we're, we're you know, purging ourselves so that we can be better people, virtue signaling all over the place. When they asked Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi about it, she was born and raised in Baltimore, as you may know. She's a California girl now, of course, married Pelosi, and she's out there presiding. But um, she was born and raised in Baltimore. So they asked her about this. They said, what do you think about this? You know what her response was? I looked it up, and I'm quoting. She said, well, people do what they do. Where was the outrage? There was no outrage, of course. The reporters prodded Pelosi to condemn the mod the, the mob action. And she just kind of shrugged it off. And she's, well, people do what they do. It wasn't mob behavior and that mentality on display on January 6th that be, start, kind of started all of this. It was a part of a growing kind of expression in America, which needs to be corrected, but not by the fist of government but by the change of heart in people. Behind the first impeachment of President Donald Trump, it was grossly improper, illegal behavior. The so-called Steele dossier that fabricated evidence of the Trump campaign conspiring with Russia. Remember that? We heard that for four years. That was a different kind of a riot. We found out later there was nothing to it. We found out later that the Democratic Party had put that forward and Hillary Clinton's campaign, it's a fact, had paid for it. And it was made up by a guy that nobody believed. The people of, that had hired him didn't believe him. But they ran with it. Our FBI worked with the Democratic Party to undermine a Republican president. Where was the, where was the investigation on that? Where was the date memorialized? Every day will now be that day, whatever it was. There's such selective outrage on the left. 
as the core values that were the basis of the founding of America are undermined and purged, as eternal truths are displaced by politics, all sense of truth and meaning is being lost. It's gone. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is turn on television. MSNBC anchor Joy Reid, she's a black woman, on her show on Monday, day before yesterday, it's called The Readout. Her name is Reed, R-E-I-D. On The Readout, she said, quote, white so-called Christian conservatives are selfish. They're people who think America was built for them. Here's the context in which she said that. I'm quoting her verbatim. She said, they're white so-called Christian conservatives who feel like this country was built by them for them. And so everyone but them needs to suck it up and let them have their way or else. Their party, the Republicans, have gone from pretending to be the party of personal responsibility to unmasking themselves as the party of selfish people that cannot play well with others. And they even have their own cable networks, plus something called Gitter, G-E-T-T-R, which kind of sounds like pornography. Moving on. Those are her words. Then she said this, quote, So the special citizen says, I don't want to wear a mask, and if you try to attack me, I'll attack the low-wage clerks at the store or at Burger King. I don't want to get the vaccine either. If people get sick from me, oh well, not my problem. Joe Rogan said it's fine. My kids aren't going to mask up to protect those other kids. And then she goes into a rant of expletives that I'm not going to read. I'm not even going to try to, you know, give you a couple of letters from it. She just goes ballistic with obscene language on television, on NBC's news channel. She talks about their parents are probably, or she says they, meaning everybody that isn't the left, says they're probably commies anyway, talking about the left. She usually, then she goes on to say, which usually means people who want rights for other people and who, and again, I, I can't quote her words here, I won't quote them, happens to them. She concluded with this. She said, so this midterm election, the one's coming up this year, so this midterm election year, we're going to find out which brand of citizenship is stronger And the answer will tell us whether our democracy is strong enough to survive. That is something that I agree with her on. I believe that America is standing on the threshold of one of the most important, if not the most important, election in history. And it's this year. Yes, there's a presidential election coming up in a couple of years. But this election is the gateway to the future of America, I believe. The left has selective memory. They have relative outrage. So-called progressivism delights in creating new truth as they make progress. They always use that word. You'll hear it a million times if you listen to them. When they get cornered and somebody will say to President Biden, for example, why aren't there enough test kits out there to test everybody for, for coronavirus? And he'll say, we're making progress. No, they're not. They're not making progress. He's now blaming state governments and saying they are the ones that failed, not me. He's even blaming public education, his own toy, and saying they didn't plan for this in the classroom. 
he takes no responsibility because he isn't capable of doing that. I'll tell you, on Sunday's ABC's This Week, George Stephanopoulos, he seemed to agree with what this Yvette Simpson, she's the CEO of Democracy for America, was saying. She was saying that that there is no precedent for what happened on January 6th. We must look at it in isolation. We must not compare it to anything else. George Stephanopoulos knows better than that, but he was going along with it. They had this other person on there as an analyst for um, ABC, Sarah Eisker. Eisger, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Anyway, she spoke up and she said, well, <laughs> which surprised me, but she said, well, in 2017, a third of Hillary Clinton voters said Donald Trump was not legitimately elected. You're saying this is unprecedented? Stephanopoulos said, yeah, but Hillary Clinton supporters did not take the same action. How soon we forget, and of course, he wants to forget because he's locked at the hip with the Clintons because he worked for Bill while Bill and Monica were he was next in the next office. So Stephanopoulos says, yeah, but Hillary didn't, supporters didn't do that. But remember, in 2017, immediately following Trump's swearing-in ceremony, violence exploded in Washington, D.C. Remember that limo that was parked on the street was burning in flames? There was violence as a direct result of Donald Trump being inaugurated president in Washington, D.C., New York, Seattle, Dallas, Chicago, and Portland. Probably other places, but those were documented. It's easy to find. I looked it up. All of that, in fact, there was a guy shot in Seattle. I don't think he died, but he was shot. Buildings and businesses were burned, and cars and other personal property was destroyed. These riots inspired the Women's March. Remember that? It was in the same month of the same year, and it was burst out of the riots I just mentioned, The singer-actress Madonna, remember when she stood at the microphone screaming at the top of her voice to thousands of women in that women's march later in the month? She said, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Those are her words. Where was the outrage? There wasn't any. Despite the violent and divisive tones of the women's march, Democrat leaders like Elizabeth Warren and those showed up and supported it. Pelosi's probe has also raised the issue of security. And I don't have time to get into that today, but I wanted to tell you that do not be surprised when a few brave, courageous conservatives in Congress bring this to the forefront tomorrow and in the days that follow. Nancy Pelosi is responsible as Speaker of the House for the protection of the Capitol. And if they think this thing was so egregious, which it was, They should not have been breaking down doors and windows of the Capitol. Where was she? It was reported following that, and this will will come out in the news again, that she had made no plans for anything like this. And it had been discussed, and there were people who were afraid of this happening for a very long time. Well, we're at a point in America where I will tell you it's clear that our leadership is miserably failing us. James Garfield spoke to that in an article a hundred years after the revolution. He was our 20th president. He says, now more than ever, the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it's because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. So true. So true. 
But there is hope because God is in control. Thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.